This episode of the Policy Viz podcast is brought to you by Jump statistical discovery software from SAS. Jump, spelled J-M-P, is an easy-to-use tool that connects powerful analytics with interactive graphics. The drag-and-drop interface of Jump enables quick exploration of data to identify patterns, interactions, and outliers. Jump has a scripting language for reproducibility and interfacing with R. Click on this episode's sponsored link to receive a free info kit that includes an interview with DataViz experts Kaiser Fung and Alberto Cairo. In the interview, they discuss information gathering, analysis, and communicating results. Welcome back to the PolicyViz podcast. I'm your host, John Schwabish. On this week's episode, I'm excited to have with me David Bauer from NZZ in... David, where is NZZ exactly? Uh, we're in Zurich in Switzerland. Zurich in Switzerland. <laughs> Great. Um, well, David, thanks for coming on the show. Um, I'm glad we can, we can catch up here on a late on a Friday afternoon. Um, how are sure. you? Thanks. Uh, excellent. I'm Good. just ready to go into the weekend and glad to be on the show now. <laughs> and only a few more moments until Friday night beers. So that's, that's, kind of, that's yeah. fun. Good. Well, I'm, I'm glad we were able to connect. You, um, you recently had a post, a new tool that you have all developed and have introduced to the newsroom called Q, which I want to talk about uh, in some depth. And you have a great Medium post about it. Um, but why don't we start by having you introduce yourself and talking a little bit about your role over there at NZZ. Sure. Um, well, I'm David. I'm the head of storytelling at Neue Zürcher Zeitung. The, the storytelling team is what other news organizations might know as a graphics team or maybe an interactive team. So it's pretty much the same that we do. We, we are a team of 12 people. That includes uh, data journalists, uh, graphic designers, developers, of course. And we support and, and work for and with the newsroom to make sure that, that the stories that we want to tell are, are told in the best possible way. And so that means uh, we obviously create a lot of graphics, both for, for the print edition and online. We make uh, interactive graphics. Uh, we tell our own stories, mostly uh, visual, data-driven stories. And of course, we build templates and tools for, for editors and reporters to work with. Now, you mentioned stories a few times in that description. How do you identify yourself? Do you, do you identify as storytellers, as journalists, as, as developers? How do you sort of, inside, how do you identify? Well, all of the above, basically. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, we call the storytelling team, so people uh, like to call us storytellers mm -hmm. in, in, in the newsroom. But, I mean, we, we have different backgrounds. I, I have a background in journalism, maybe. So I see myself mainly as a journalist. Uh, others see themselves as mainly graphic designers or developers. And um, the goal basically is always the same, improve the experience that, that readers have when they come to, to read the news or in-depth reporting on our site. So it doesn't really matter how, how, how we call it in the end. Sure, sure, sure. sure. Um, great. Well, let's talk about Q. So um, you had a post on Medium about uh, building this new tool. And so maybe you could sort of give a little bit of background about um, the development of the tool and what it accomplishes there uh, in the newsroom for folks who may not have read the post yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm going to go back uh, maybe one and a half years when when I joined NZZ and when when basically this new team was formed. And 
the situation back then was that we had, like, I guess, a lot of uh, traditional news organizations, uh, a print graphics team that was well established and produced graphics for print. And then we had the interactive team that worked mainly on, on bigger projects um, on the digital side. But what was missing was, um, well, basically means or tool for, for editors to create daily graphics for, for online that are easy to produce, that are not uh, overly sophisticated. And the problem was simply that there was no one in, in either team that was able or had the time to produce so many graphics um, for daily use. And so the, the obvious first thing I initiated when I started at NZZ was uh, to, to say, okay, we're going to build a toolbox, not just like a set of tools, but actually a toolbox that is kind of a one-stop shop for, for editors. And so pretty much after some, some projects that were ongoing had finished, maybe two months into um, the creation of the team, we started building the toolbox. And then maybe another two months later, we were ready to, to launch a first version. Well, that, that's um, fast from, <laughs> from to, to getting that out. How do you tackle the issue of journalists who may not have familiarity with data or with curating charts? Do you have a, do you sit down with them? Do you do trainings? How, how, how do you sort of move journalists from all the way, one might say on like sort of the journalism spectrum with not a lot of data experience to move them a little bit closer to, you know, being able to create responsible, clear graphics? Yeah. So there's kind of different approaches that need to work together to, to achieve something. And we're still struggling with, with all of them. Um, one obviously is um, like changing mindsets that, that needs a lot of um, just talking to people and, and trying to convince them why it's a good thing that actually it's not just additional work, but something that improves um, their stories in the end. Then there's the, the technological component. So we try to keep really as, as simple as possible. We, we resist all, all kinds of additional um, options that might add a bit more flexibility to some people, but would like leave others out where where it's no longer simple enough so we try to keep it as simple as possible and and actually made it a rule that it should take you no longer than five minutes from logging in to having the finished map or chart or whatever in your article in the cms so that's what we try to follow and then of course it's it's a lot of training uh one-on-one -on -one training having having groups uh sit together where we show new tools where we show all the tools again where we have added new features and so on so it's a combination of all of those and then maybe as a as a little extra we have we have created a slack channel that alerts our team whenever somebody creates a new chart or a new uh, map or whatever so we can quickly go into check if that's okay if everything's correct or also see where people might be struggling sometimes we see drafts that are not finished and we can get in touch with those people, ask them why they couldn't finish it and tell them or show them. So that has, um, that has proven quite effective for us. Mm. Yeah. Prior to launching Q, what were the main tools that people were building and what was the major pain point in um, the use of those tools? Um, there weren't 
many. <laughs> I mean, there, there there have been some tools that were used in in the interactive team that yeah. existed back then. But the only tool that I'm aware of where there was an effort to to roll it out in in the newsroom in, in broader terms was Data Wrapper. Mm which I guess most of the listeners know is, is a great tool for creating charts and, and also maps. Um, but also it's something that we feel is a little, if not a lot, too complex for just most of people who are just used to, to writing great stories. And um, so, yeah, the, the experience was that some people in the newsroom actually used Data Wrapper, maybe 10 or 15 people mm -hmm. but it was just not the kind of tool that would allow um the whole or large parts of the newsroom to to work with with these kinds of tools and also it's built for basically one use case which is creating great charts of whatever variety and what we had in mind is a whole set of tools that go beyond charts uh, like pointer maps or quizzes or uh, for elections or for um, referendums, which we have a lot in Switzerland. And there is not one tool that covers all of this, obviously. So um, if you rely on, on different tools for each of those cases, you would have five different tools that have five different URLs, five different um, logins, five different interfaces, and that just confuses people too much so that it will be productive in, in everyday use. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Can you talk a little bit about the technology behind the tool? I, I would suspect a lot of people listening are, are curious about actually how you went about and, and built what's the programming language behind it, what's the techniques or the approach you took to actually building a custom tool like this. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, that's kind of difficult territory for me because I haven't built it myself. Yeah. I have an excellent developer called Benny Buis who, who did basically all the work. Um, it's browser-based. It's um, mainly built on Aurelia framework, so a JavaScript framework. And then uh, this is kind of what, um, what the toolbox is made of. And mm -hmm. for the individual tools, we then rely on different technologies that are out there. The, the charting tool right now that we have is built also on a library called Chartist. Um, we're going to rebuild that now, probably switching to Vega. And, and for maps, uh, we, we use, for example, the, the OpenStreetMap layers and a bit of a map box. Um, so we have the flexibility to use for each tool the technology that is, is best fit for, for what we want to do. Right, right. But I recommend like uh, reading the, the Medium article where Benny describes with a little more uh, expertise and in depth what, what the technical details of QA. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'll I'll link it on the show page. Um, I'm curious whether you think this is the future of data visualization tools for for organizations and for newsrooms. Um, you mentioned you know you could have a data wrapper or a Plotly or a Vega or or all these sort of different tools, but you don't want to maybe have people need you know to go to five different places to do something. Um, so do you think that the future is these custom sort of tools that newsrooms or organizations can build internally to, to meet all of their different needs and, and branding and styling guidelines? It depends, I would say. I mean, we're in quite a privileged position that I have quite a large team compared to 
most newsrooms out there. Mm. Um, I have developers that can take care of something like this. I have designers that uh, can add design and so on. So I think for most newsrooms that are lucky if they have one developer, um, some don't even have developers, smaller newsrooms, they would always kind of need to use tools that are out there. And luckily, there are quite a lot of tools that are good that are out there. And we kind of have the privilege to to work on a a custom-built solution that is excellent for for what, what we need. So I think for, for newsrooms of our size, we have around 300 uh, people working in the newsroom and, and bigger newsrooms. I think actually this could be some sort of future. I wouldn't say this is the future, but mm-hmm. certainly one way to flexible enough to include uh, tools from, from others that are open source so uh, that not every individual newsroom builds something from scratch and yeah, I, I see potential in, in open sourcing tools and like these things coming a little closer together. But then in the end, each newsroom has their specific needs, their specific technology stack, their CMS and so on. So I don't think there can be that one super tool that works for, for most newsrooms. Mm-hmm. Now, it's interesting you mentioned the open source because I, I sort of see this. There's obviously a tension, I think, here because um, on the one hand news organizations are competitors. Uh, you know, the New York Times and the Washington Post are, are competing for subscribers. But on the other hand, um, we've seen, especially over the last, at least in the United States, over the last year or so especially, a lot of news organizations, I think, working more closely together. Um, you know, ProPublica has this, I think they are the leader, the hoster of, of an organization that sort of brings different newsrooms together to pair up and combine efforts. So I wonder whether you think that open source piece of these tools is going to grow so that, you know, the smaller newsroom in somewhere else in Switzerland or in, you know, Omaha, Nebraska or whatever it is, has access to these technologies where um, they may not be able to build them uh, on their own, but they can take advantage of things being produced by larger newsrooms. How do you sort of see these two sides of the media landscape? I mean, there's no doubt that like the the competition aspect is something that you you have or must have at the back of your mind when when you like open source something. But I really try not to to make that the key driver of decisions. I mean, in the end, we're also standing on on the shoulder of giants. We use a lot of open source um, software, so we're we're benefiting uh, as well. So it feels like on one hand, it's giving something back to mm-hmm. a larger community, not just media, but like every everyone who, who builds uh, something for the web. But also we, we see quite a lot of potential in benefiting directly ourselves when we open source this, when we see other people use it, improve it, maybe add new tools that we in return can use. So this is kind of the, the more positive and not fear or competition-driven view on on software, and this is the kind of the view we want to focus on. Yeah, yeah. Can you uh, maybe share with us a story or two of how you've worked with journalists in in the newsroom? There, either they've had successful interactions with Q and the tool and your team, or they've you know they've hit they've hit a wall even there. Are there are there some um, experiences sort of jump out 
to your mind as you've sort of gone through the last year or so with the tool out there in the newsroom? Actually, I can't think of the one single story that would like illustrate all of our struggles and successes we had with Q, but like the typical story is uh, it takes a little time of convincing why should I do this? Why should be should that be part of my job? Then you get them to to understand that this could actually be useful. Then they see it for the first time, check it out, mm-hmm. think it's interesting. Then they forget about it again. Um, and then there's maybe the first story where they really see that uh, an additional map or a simple chart could help. And usually those people then create that thing on their own and we kind of just pitch in and and help do the polishing in the end and usually it's quite a, a good experience to see somebody happy about how such a simple thing as a map has improved their story that sounds like the, the fairy tale version of, of all of it we, we obviously have uh, other stories as well where people try to to use it and then hit a wall because that one feature that they think is the make or break feature for, mm. for them to use it does not exist or does not yet exist. Um, that, that happens too. Mm-hmm. Um, I always like interactions with correspondents that are all across the world, basically, um, which mostly ha- have never seen me, neither have I seen them, of course. So we interact via Slack, basically, and we have quite a lot of correspondents now that really like the the opportunity that they've been given to do more with their stories than just write, which has for, for the most part of their career has been what they've been doing. Yeah. Have you seen in, in those interactions, have you seen a journalist who has come to the tool, learned to create something, you know, maybe a simple map or a simple graph, and then they've wanted to take it a step further you know, maybe not build something themselves, but build something or have something built or work with your team that's a little more complicated, a little more involved, maybe more long form, what we might call an immersive narrative with multiple graphs and, you know, sort of different things. Have you have you seen people try to or want to take that next step because now they see what Q can do and they and they see sort of the, you know, what's the metaphor going up the hill or something to, mm-hmm. to sort mm-hmm. of, the you know, a, a bigger, grander thing? So what we what we always see is journalists kind of hacking their way through non-existent features in Q. So they try to trick it, which is always interesting for us to learn like some weaknesses of Q, but also what kinds of things you could do with Q that we didn't imagine like yeah. this. So this is always interesting. And of course, often when when people use Q regularly and become aware of its limitations then there's usually conversation with us uh, to see what other options there are to visualize certain certain data sets or so on. So usually those people who use Q regularly are also the ones that use a lot of data in, in their reporting and, and think in more visual or graphic terms about stories than, than other journalists that might not use Q as much. Yeah. Yeah, that is that is really interesting. Um, let me just ask this last question: Where do you see Q going over the next year, six months, year, two years? I know you've written a little bit about this in the in the Medium post, but where do you see development going, and and how it's going to impact the newsroom there over the next you know year or so? 
So um, we're currently refactoring Qt to basically turn it into a piece of software rather than just a working prototype, which it is now. Um, then we'll add some more tools. And one of the key drivers um, of this refactoring is that we want to use Q for different platforms within the NZZ media group. Uh, so there are other um, newsrooms and other websites that we cannot uh, deliver Q right now, but we want to do that. And also we want to get a closer integration of how charts that are now produced in Q for online find their way into the paper, which is now mostly a, a manual process, and we hope to, to improve that a little bit. Great. Really interesting. Well, um, good luck with all of that. I think uh, working with uh, journalists and teaching them how to use a new tool must be a, uh, an interesting but rewarding uh, process over there. So, um, so, David, thanks for coming on the show. It's been uh, really great uh, chatting with you. Cool. Thanks for having me. And thanks to everyone for tuning into this week's episode. Um, until next time, this has been the Policy Viz Podcast. Thanks for listening. This episode of the Policy Viz Podcast is brought to you by Jump Statistical Discovery Software from SAS. Jump, spelled J-M-P, is an easy-to-use tool that connects powerful analytics with interactive graphics. The drag-and-drop interface of Jump enables quick exploration of data to identify patterns, interactions, and outliers. Jump has a scripting language for reproducibility and interfacing with R. Click on this episode's sponsored link to receive a free info kit that includes an interview with data viz experts Kaiser Fung and Alberto Cairo. In the interview, they discuss information gathering, analysis, and communicating results.